Welcome to No Sleep Till Pizza, a student ministry podcast that helps resource through biblical messages, reviews, interviews, and discussions that are all things student culture. So let's get right to it. So good. So good. Man. So I'm not shooting any baskets today. I, uh, I exhausted all my athletic abilities last week. So, but how many of you do not have a Bible? How many of you don't have a Bible? Fantastic. Oh, oh, we got a couple still. A couple quickly, quickly. Awesome. So as you get your Bible, go ahead and turn them over to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, which is where we will be. But before we get there, I want to run through and do a recap of where we have been throughout this whole entire series called Telos. So to give a bit of a recap, our purpose begins with God at creation and ends with our worship of him. Everything in between life and death is all about focusing on Jesus. Our ability to grow into our purpose is dependent on community and being a part of that community, living life in step with the spirit and having Christ's humility. And today, as we wrap it all up and bring this all to a conclusion on what our final purpose is, why God set this whole thing in motion from the beginning in the first place. We all love a good mystery, don't we? Like, whether you read books, which if you do, you're weird, um, or, or if you want a good mystery movie, right, like some of these that are behind me, right, there's, we love a good mystery, whether it be, you know, like the game Clue. How many of you guys have actually played Clue? Wow, more people than I thought. That's good, right? Like we love a good mystery, having to try to figure it out. I'm no longer asking any more questions. You can put your hand down. Um, but uh, we have, we, we love a good mystery from that sense, whether it's reading a book, playing a game, or maybe it's a movie. We like to try to figure out what's going to happen in the end, Right? or even better yet, TV series, yeah. right? We love a good mystery TV series. And it's, it's wonderful because there's something inside of us that longs to get the answers to intrigue the elusive questions. We can easily fall in love with the characters in a drama, and then we end up going feverishly over all of the details of what is going to happen next in their so wonderful fictional lives where everything comes back together in a wonderful, tidy 30-minute TV show, right? This is why binge-watching TV shows on Netflix has become such a common thing. Why? Because we don't want to have to wait till next week to find out what's going to happen, right? We don't want to wait that long. No, I'll just wait till it comes out on Netflix and I will sit down over a weekend and watch all 54 episodes, right? That's what we do because we are intrigued to find out what is going to happen rather than trying to take it one week at a time. So we just watch the whole series in a whole entire weekend because there is something about the human condition that is enamored with the concept of discovering the answer of mysteries. Believe it or not, the desire to understand and see the full picture comes from somewhere other than our need to complete the latest season of Stranger Things. 
We ourselves are actually part of a giant mystery that began before creation and is a far greater story than even that of our own individual lives. In his letter to the church at Ephesus, the Apostle Paul unpacks the underlying purpose and mystery of our very existence and tells us what should drive everything about our lives. Everything about our lives. So Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 8. Join with me as we read God's word. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone that is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Did you catch that? Did you catch what Paul was actually getting at here? He uses a word in there that we've already used. He uses the word mystery, right? He uses the word mystery. And from the beginning of time, there has been an underlying mystery about life that no one had understood. That is until now. And Paul drops a bomb here as he claims to know the answer to the biggest mystery of all. Why are we here? Why are we here? And as we talked about, our purpose, God's telos for us, is that the world would know him. And what began at creation was completed in Christ and now comes to us. That is what Paul is declaring. Now think about that. Did you notice what Paul is specific to mention that God's purpose for humanity involves the church? What is the purpose? Because we get to play a huge role, a huge part in rolling out the unveiling of God's mystery. This concept of sharing the mystery of who God is in a relational way with others is often referred to as the big, long, sweat and fear-inducing word called evangelism, right? Some of you guys already have gone, oh no, right? Like you can feel the sweat, you can be, oh, scary, I don't wanna do that. I have to talk to somebody, oh no, right? Simply put, what Paul is telling us to do here is our purpose is to proclaim Jesus. Our purpose is to proclaim Jesus. And we see this so clearly in the book of Colossians. Colossians 1.27 says this, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I love this next two verses. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works 
within me. I love verse 28 and 29. I love it. But as we see again in verse 27, there is that word again that comes up. It's that word mystery. If you've been paying any attention to this series, hopefully the idea of your purpose is much less of a mystery now than what it was when we began. See, as we live out our telos or our end goal, it can seem like a pretty big mystery sometimes. That mystery is wrapped up in three simple words as we just read. Christ in you. That is the essence of God's mystery, that Jesus came each to swap places with us. Because of what Jesus has done, we have the chance to get back to where we should have been long ago, back when creation was started. Because of what Jesus did, we have the chance to get back to where we should have been long ago, all along in unity and in intimacy with God for forever. Now, as the church, we get to take part in proclaiming the truth to the rest of the world. You go, man, that's a massive task. That's a massive thing that we're being called to do. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. So with such a big task, how are we to go about doing that? Do we simply sit around and wait for people to come up to us and go, hey, um, I heard you know this guy named Jesus? Or, well, I'll just live my life and people will just know that I follow Jesus. And by them just knowing that I follow Jesus, I won't have to say anything. They'll just go, wow, Jesus is so cool. And there's so much more to it than that. Yes, live your life as Christ is in you, absolutely. But as we see throughout scripture, your actions are not just enough. At some point, verbally, you are going to have to declare what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross. You're going to need to speak to that person to the left or to the right of you, to that person at school, to the person at work, to the person in your own home, that Jesus Christ is the one who died on the cross for your sins, who took your place, and in taking your place, he bore your sin upon himself, buried it in death with himself, conquered it, rose again three days later from the grave, and cast your sin as far as from the east as from the west, so that way you could stand before God the Father as completely 100% righteous, just as Jesus was as the perfect lamb. So how do we do that? It is our purpose as Christ followers to actually go and proclaim Jesus. How do we go about doing it? What training do we need to have? Where do we even start with this proclaiming bit or this bit of evangelism. Let's go back to a passage that we looked at just a couple of weeks ago and catch up with Jesus and the woman who was a Samaritan who met Jesus at a well. So turn your Bibles, go back to John chapter four. John chapter four will be in verse 25. And remember, Jesus meets this Samaritan woman at the well. And 
remember as well, Jesus shouldn't have even have been talking to this woman. One, merely because, unlike today, she was a woman. Also, forget all of that context, but also the fact that she was a Samaritan woman. There was major cultural conflict and division there. So Jesus had no reason to be speaking to this woman, and yet here is this woman at the well, and Jesus carries on the longest recorded conversation with one individual person that we have in all of Scripture. And they get into some pretty heavy discussion. So John chapter 4, starting in verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, I am he. Just then the disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with the woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be Christ? They went out of town and were coming to him. This woman meets Jesus because she is getting water in the middle of the day so that way no one would have to interact with her. She was purposefully going to get water when she knew no one else was there. Why? Because she was already a social outcast because of the life that she lived. She goes to get the water expecting no one to be there, yet someone is there. Jesus Christ is sitting there at the well. They start to engage in a conversation, right? They get in this conversation. She chooses to be at the well when no one else would be there, most likely because she didn't want to be seen by anyone. But it's so interesting because if you recall and notice what happens when she realizes who Jesus actually is. What did she do? I mean, she dropped her jar, left it there. The very reason why she was going to the well was to get water. She figures out who Jesus is and says, forget this, I'm going back into town. This girl immediately drops what she was doing and went towards the very people whom considered her to be an outcast, to be defiled, to be wronged, to be in a life that is not worthy of anything, yet she turns around and runs back towards them, knowing that what she had to do was proclaim Jesus. She goes back to them to proclaim who she had found. She finally unlocked the mystery of God and did exactly what Paul has told us to do. She told her world. The result of her action is absolutely incredible. Look at verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. 
and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. The Samaritan woman instantly understood her purpose. As soon as she understood who Jesus was, her realization of what her purpose was came to her knowledge. If this is the Messiah and I know who he is, I need to make sure that I connect everybody I know with him. That's what my purpose is. I need to connect as many people to him as I can. It was her telos. Now she wouldn't have probably phrased it that way, right? But all she knew was that she had met Jesus. She had met the Messiah and other people needed to meet him as well. It doesn't appear that she even took the time to think much beyond that either. Since she dropped the bucket and took off and ran towards the people that had cast her away. Because of her obedience to her role in the ministry, in the mystery, the whole town heard about Jesus. And many believed. Guys, it's so pitiful pivotal for you to guys get to get this. Understand this. She didn't stand there and wait for something else. She didn't go, wait, I, I, I need some more training. Uh, I, need, I need to go through this Bible study class so that way I can get a little more knowledge or I, I need some more information about when the church is going to be meeting again so I can just invite them to church. She didn't even wait for permission from Jesus to say, hey, can I go tell some people to bring them to you? She literally dropped what she was doing and ran towards the lost people. Now, is it good for those things? Absolutely. Is it good to invite people to church? Absolutely. Is it good for you to be a part of a Bible study, to gain more knowledge and understanding of God's word and who he is and his character and nature? Absolutely. Here's a woman who 10 seconds before had no idea who Jesus was. He reveals himself to her and she instantly goes, I've got to get everybody in contact with him. How many of you are doing that? Guys, I, I include myself in this. I stand under the weight of this as just as much as you do. It's so easy for us to stand there and go, well, I just need a little bit more of, or if just this would. The Samaritan woman goes and runs to the very people that she knows that are lost. Imagine how different our world would be if we were to actually do this. Not just agree that it is something good that we should do, which all of us in this room would say, yes, that's what we need to do. That is a great example for us to follow. Man, she did a great job. We all would agree with that. But so often, that's where we stop man, she was a great role model. Or we see somebody else even in our own lives, whether it be at school, at work, in our own family or somewhere else, or even here at church, we go, man, isn't it great that they do that? 
Isn't it great that they're so vocal about their relationship with Jesus Christ? Isn't it great that they're willing to do that? Man, I wish I could be like that one day. Man, when I get a little older, I, I, I'll be able to do that too. Or once I get through this, I'll be able to talk about, I just, if they ask me some questions, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna, like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer all the questions. Guys, I've been to seminary. There are a ton of questions I don't know how to answer. This woman had no training whatsoever. All she did is she merely connected the people that were lost and didn't know him to Jesus. That's it. And if you notice, Jesus did the rest. Jesus did the rest. She was simply obedient in her actions in connecting people to Jesus and going, there he is, there he is. This is the guy you need to know. And they went, and what? Jesus stayed another two days, and they talked, and they talked, and they talked. And, the, and it, we even read it. We read it right there. And what does it say? For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. It wasn't because of what she had done, but it was simply because Jesus spoke to them. And you go, well, we don't have Jesus walking around now. No, we don't, but we certainly have this. And for those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ, what do you have that is even just as powerful as anything else? You have your own testimony, which is what the Samaritan woman did. She goes, look, he's told me everything I've ever done. Yet despite all that, he has expounded his love upon me that I do not deserve. You need to meet this Jesus. This is who I was. You guys know that. I am no longer that person. You need to meet Jesus. Imagine how our lives would be different if we were to actually make plans that never actually pan out, but actually really do this in our everyday lives. Let me tell you, I can tell you what would actually really happen. I would know what would happen. People who are living far away from God's love right now in their life would turn to receive God's love and the eternity would actually be changed forever. It wouldn't be some self-help book. It wouldn't be some, hey, I can live my life better now or something along those lines, but their eternity would be changed for forever. I mean, think about that. You are sitting in this room more, more than likely because somebody has expounded the gospel to you, has shared what Jesus Christ has done for them, and you have understood God's love for you individually of what he did for you on the cross. And because of that, your eternal destination, your eternity is now 180 degrees different than what it was before. Imagine for you to do that to one person. What would that look like? How would that change somebody else's life? So in light of that reality and of the revival that can take place when we connect with this purpose for our lives, this, this is what I pray for you. It is also a prayer that Paul used as he prayed to the church in Ephesus 
and it's taken right out of Ephesians chapter 3. Starting in verse 16, this is what it says. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. As this series of talks comes to an end, and we look to see how our lives will be different because of God's word, please do not just let this be an exercise in learning more information about the Bible. Because if that's all it is, it is a drastic waste. It's a great thing to learn more information and to know more about God. And yes, we should always be doing that. But our understanding of our purpose is not something that we just seek to memorize and organize and put in a category. It is something that is more caught than actually taught. You see, our purpose is only grasped when we begin to focus on our existence, not as it relates to us, but as it relates to God. Go ahead, go to the next slide. See, God created us because he loves us. He wants our worship because he loves us. He urges us to focus our lives on Jesus because he loves us. He places us among others to experience community because he loves us. And he allows us to take part in the life-changing, eternity-altering, mind-blowing process of sharing his mystery with the rest of the world because he loves us. What we get to do on this earth is so special and divine. So much so that the rocks and the trees don't get to be a part of it. The angels in heaven don't get to be a part of it. And what is that? Not just proclaiming him, but going and showing the others that are lost and dying and going to hell that there has been a way of redemption for them to be brought back into a right relationship with God, the creator, the sustainer, the author and perfecter of our faith. The rest of creation gets none of that. Yet God has divinely woven us into his story to be a part of that. And what an honor. What an honor. It is a gift to you and to me. We get the honored purpose of growing in intimacy with God and sharing him with those in the world because he loves them. That is a purpose that should supersede the smaller purposes of what career you will aspire to, 
to what car you will drive, to how many kids you will have, to who you will marry, to fill in the blank for whatever it is for you. See, so many of us get caught up in the things of the day-to-day, myself included. And I've got this to cover. I've got to take care of this. I've got this. I've got a family to provide for. I've got all these other different things that I've got to do. And it's so easy to get caught up in those things. But what are we doing is what it says in Colossians 1.28. Are we proclaiming him? We proclaim. It's not for our own benefit. It's not for our benefit. It is for those that are lost, dying, and going to hell. It is for their benefit that their eternity would be altered from death to life, that they would be brought back into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the purpose that defines us to our core, and fulfilling it will bring challenges and a joy that is unsurpassing that will never leave us empty. For those of you who have ever sat down with somebody walk through the gospel message with them. And at the end of walking through that gospel message, them coming to the full, clear understanding of what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross, and they look at you with a sight of complete understanding, and they go, why have I not done this sooner? I now understand what God has done for me. And they place their eternal faith in Christ. There is a joy, there's an excitement that cannot be pulled from you. I still remember the first person that I brought to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Not that I did it, Jesus Christ did it. I simply happened to be the vehicle in that given point in time. I remember it as clear as day. We were sitting on a wood bench in a mall and we had been talking and talking and talking and talking. And finally I sat down and I said, look, it comes down to a point of you need to be able to make the decision by yourself. This is what he has done for you. You either take it or you leave it. It's a free gift. He is not going to force this upon you. He has died for you. He has paid the price for you. He is freely giving this to you. There at that bench in the middle of the Port Charlotte Mall, they gave their life to Christ. I'm I'm getting goosebumps already. Guys, I'm telling you, there is a joy to being a part of that. There is a joy that cannot be pulled from you in any way, shape, or form that as you proclaim Jesus to those who are lost and dying around you, It cannot be pulled from you. Now, I will say, some of you have been given talents and abilities for this very purpose. Some of you have athletic abilities. Why? Because you are to proclaim Jesus in the sports that you play. Some of you have been given music talent. Thank goodness, because I would be terrible at that, that you have been given that ability to be able to proclaim Jesus 
with those that are musically talented. Some of you have been given academic ability beyond what my brain can even fathom because I'm not academic. God gave me above average strength and below average intelligence, so I just use what God's given me. But you have been given that to proclaim Jesus with those around you. Our purpose on earth is to be found by God and to show him to the world, not just by knowledge, but through and by his love. It's that simple. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come before you humble. We come before you to declare that we have not done this well. We have not done this well, myself included. Lord, that we, we, we so eagerly want our purpose to be something of this grand show, this, this grand thing, and, and yet, Lord, you show us through such a simple way that just proclaiming you is of the greatest utter importance that we could have for a purpose. Lord, that it is a grand thing. It is an honor to be able to proclaim you and what your son had done for us on the cross. Lord, as we are the only ones in all of your creation to be able to do this, Lord, what an honor. Lord, may we leave here tonight with a new understanding of not just what our purpose is, but Lord, a new passion, zeal, and fervor to proclaim you to the lost and dying world around us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. The listening and conversation doesn't stop here. We want to hear from you on what you want to hear more of. Keep up with what's going on at Central Students by following us on Instagram and Facebook under Central Students WR. Until next time, God bless.